Welcome on, thank you for tuning in to the Bad Hombres FC podcast, focusing on all things pro soccer in the DMV and across the United States of America. My name is Jose Omania, sports writer for Sports Pulse and WTOP. Joining me as always, Mario Amaya from El Tiempo Latino. Mario, how you doing? I'm doing all right, man. You know, the birds are chirping. It's kind of cold outside. MLS is back, finally. And, you know, everything just clicked together last night. Yeah, let's just get to it. I mean, there's no point in shying it over. You're, you're saying it there. And that is Matthias Klick made his debut. DC United returned to Audi Field it's in over four months. And they get a victory as the black and red mounted a furious comeback in the second half. And in stoppage time to flip a possible 2-1 defeat to a 3-2 victory over Toronto FC in their home opener. Uh, Mr. Klick. Uh, the new DP for DC United scored in the first half, but it was the late game heroics of Christian Bedeke and Ted Di Pietro to get the win for United and a promising start under new, well, not new, excuse me, under Wayne Rooney, who is it feels new, but it's not all the way new. Well, it's his first full season as the head coach, and you know, post game he kind of said how important it was to win this game. Uh, Mario, for you, in your vantage point, what did you think of how United was able to fight back to get this win? Uh, I think it kind of shows the mentality that they've been working on in the preseason and how how this team was able to fight back. I know last season, once they were down, there wasn't really much of that fight back, but it it shows differently under Wayne Rooney and what he's been able and what he's been able to translate on the field for the team. And it showed last night. I think they were the much better team, especially in the first half. Second half, I think Toronto did have them under the gun for a little bit. But bringing on Ted Kuti Pietro and bringing on Christian Fletcher towards the end really gave the that air swing that DC United need to pretty much push back and end up taking all three points at the end of the game. But yeah, I thought United, for everything that came into that game, they lost Martin Rodriguez from the beginning of the week. For those who don't know, he tore his, uh, his ACL or MCL, tore his ACL, yeah. And then you had Taxi Funtas come down with a knee injury right at the final practice before the opener. So he wasn't available. They went with Nigel Roberto as the starter, who has been dealing with injuries in the preseason as well. So... A lot of question marks were with the starting lineup, but I thought the start of the game was important for United and how when they had the ball, they were the more dangerous team. Uh, and Click was the perfect example of that, just taking the ball from half field, dribbling it straight, and then letting off a nice right-footed shot low, straight at the far corner. Sean Johnson couldn't get to it. I thought it was a great shot, and it was a great. That's a great way to not just for him and his confidence. I just thought that was just a great way for United to kind of put away the doubters. We were kind of making fun of the fact that no one has them even getting in the threshold to compete for playoffs. Everybody can, outside of one person who I think was Sasha Kleshton has them at eleventh or tenth. Uh, everybody else seems to have DC United closer to the bottom of the Eastern Conference. I mean, it's a lot of teams, so it's very surprising. But I, I really did think 
they needed a statement win early just because of how the year ended last year and all the, you know, we see it as promise, but because the league has totally flipped, United need to show that the to, to everyone in the league, they're willing to compete and there's no more of this, we're behind a generation thing. You know, when everybody was at 2.0, DC United was like at 1.5. And when DC United finally got to 2.0 with the DPs and getting them at the right age or the right, you know, build or form for the team, everybody had already been doing that. The Seattle's of the world, the Atlanta's, the LAFC's, they had already done that and then some. So I thought it was just important. Now, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer. It did help that Insigne gets injured and gets pulled off in the 34th minute. Still don't know. It was a non-contact injury. Look, when it was like he was stretching for a ball and he couldn't get it. Um, but Akinola is a DC United killer. And the fact that, you know, he doesn't end up scoring or getting an assist is a blessing in disguise if you really think about it. He he's just he comes out very lethal with you against United and it was it clear. isn't like it isn't like he wasn't trying though he hit the yes. crossbar for what was it the second attempt at goal he beats I'm not sure who he ends up beating it's either Akinboni or uh, for all or uh, I forget who but he ends up beating the defender and it just lays out a brilliant shot beats Tyler Miller and it just hits the crossbar and out. So not for a lack of trying at that point for at, for Akinola. Right. And, and, and we kind of talked about it post game. It was that substitution. It kind of changed everything. It looked like DC's back line had figured out in senior, but you kind of, you never want to say that with a, with a guy like that, but for the first 30 minutes, he was nullified in terms of how dangerous he could be, uh, whether it was defense in the midfield contributing to that. You know, I'm not one to say, but one thing was clear that he could not do much. Um, but then when Nakanola came in, those last 10 minutes of the first half and then the first, give or take, 15, 20 minutes of the second, Toronto was very dominant in possession where the, the more dangerous team got the penalty kick. But – I mean, I'm not here to praise Wayne Rooney, not at all. If anything, the subs came a little late, but putting Ted in in the 67th, putting, uh, bringing in Steve Birnbaum for Akaboni and get the youth out with time for Steve to operate, and then bringing in a guy like Jackson Hopkins and Fletcher, bringing those two in in the, the late stages of the match just brought a sense of energy and composure that the team needed. And that happened when you saw the two get cross goal for goals. Like, if that's one thing I'll say the last two seasons, United, outside of, like, when you could feed Ola Kamara correctly, and what I mean by feed is get it to him in the perfect space where his feet less of a cross because he just doesn't have that height. I thought getting it in the space for Benteke, that is what they brought him there to do. And that is to convert opportunities in set pieces uh, or in crossing patterns. And that's what he did. And then Tech Di Pietro, I mean, Mohamed Jayez or Jezzy, who uh, we're still trying to figure that out still, <laughs> um, 
But him come, cutting through the middle, finding Fletcher, Fletcher with the great one-time cross, finds Ted Pietro, chest is down, and then takes a strike. Michael Bradley ball-watching, the center midfielders separated. He took a good chance, and I like that he's taking chances at such an early age. And to me, that was not just obviously the game winner, but I thought that was the grand moment of the match. It showed that United was the better of the two sides yesterday. Right, and also I got a little fun fact here from uh, ML- from the MLS Communications Twitter page. Ted Pietro is only the fourth is the fourth youngest player in MLS history at 21 years old in 28 days to record a game winning goal and an assist in the same match. Only one other DC United player has also been on this list. That's Connor Doyle in 2013. So that that's that's a pretty fascinating fact all in itself. But yeah, I think just with the youth coming in towards the end of the game. I, especially Fletcher and Di Pietro, they gave they gave this game, they kind of took this game and put it on its head. And I think the cross to Christian Benteke in, in particular, Benteke was able to beat the defend, beat the defender off, beat the defender off on the air ball and just pretty much connect perfectly because it was a perfectly lobbed cross by Di Pietro and not much Sean Johnson could do on it towards the end at the end there. And I think just the sequence that leads up to the game-winning goal was perfect because they pretty much timed every pass that they had go- that they that they connected with towards the end. And once they got to the box, it kind of felt like, okay, there's a ga- there's a goal score a great goal scoring chance here. I think that it kind of felt like, yeah, the game-winning goal was coming after, especially after Christian Benteke had tied the game. Yeah, and and to me, I just felt like. United, up to that point, if it wasn't, they had earned enough for the draw, but to me, it w- shouldn't have finished as a draw. <laughs> it just felt like they had earned enough to get the result, uh, especially once those subs came in. Um, I just thought that they were the better of the two sides. You know, we were able to sit sit in and listen to... Um, Coach Bob Bradley's uh, press conference, he too acknowledged the fact that United did do well in attacking their new center back pairing. Uh, they did well in limiting Michael Bradley's ability to open up the field, and that the injury really did hurt them a lot. And so, I did, you know, at the end of the day, it's scoring that matters the most importantly, but in the overall structure of things, to me, Roasted and Hedges and Bradley in the middle of that defense was just ill-affected. And then there were moments where Sean Johnson looked kind of suspect, and you don't expect that from a goalkeeper of the year candidate. So I only bring that up to say that I thought that the youth did a good job coming off the bench and being available and threatening when they needed to be. The new additions have really shown the – the the wider DC United soccer fan that they are ready and willing to compete in this level and that they are I mean they have three former Premier League players on this roster and they should be able to take on all these MLS teams so I I am I'm kind of excited I don't want to blow it over proportion but I'm excited what I saw thus far um and it's just the first game, but I, I I like what I saw overall from this team 
there's there's one thing, and I know I'm gonna have to bring it up for the fans that are paying attention. Yes, this is a tactical adjustment that Wayne has brought up multiple times last year, and it's gonna continue happening. Yes, Tyler Miller, yes, got the start yesterday, but he is coming out way too far. It's part of tactical adjustment. You see it with. Pep Guardiola and this newfound way of football to have the goalkeeper be more part of the attack. We're going to have to get used to it, but also, Tyler Miller, please, if it wasn't for that crossbar, Toronto scores in that chip. So he's got to be careful on how far out he can go, especially, you know, Steve is more flat-footed. Victor Paulson doesn't play center back. Um, Donovan Pines also somewhat more flat-footed. Michael Boning is, is, you know, he got the foul for the penalty. Um, you don't want to risk it too much when you have someone who's 16 years old and then two flatted center backs. You just, you want to watch yourself. Right. And that, that's something that raises concern. It raised concern last year with Rafael Romo. It's going to raise concern a little bit with Tyler Miller. But again, it, uh, I think that Tyler Miller is a little more capable of playing in this system. Well, yeah, he has to be careful. And I think it was interesting that Victor Paulson and Ty Akinboni playing at center back, partially, if you don't know, Steve Birnbaum was dealing with an, with a, with an illness throughout the week. That's why he didn't get the nod. And so it was kind of up in the air to see what the center back pairing was going to look like in the, in the first game of the season. And so it's kind of interesting to see that Victor Paulson was playing at center back because the last time he played center back, well, let's just say things didn't go that well for him. They went better this time, but I don't expect him to play center back that often. I think that you'll probably get to see Birnbaum back for the next game against Columbus. Uh, I also was impressed with Jai- with Jahez. I, I believe that's how you pronounce it. We're still trying to figure out the proper pronunciation of the last name here. Yeah, so he kind of left before we can ask, um, but it would be nice, DC, if we can get the post had one translation. You had Dave Johnson say it another way. Give us pronouncers on your website. Right. So I think he played extremely well. He's a guy that loves going up front, by the way, and it showed towards the end of the game because he sets up he sets up Christian Fletcher to set up Ted Cruz Pietro, but he played well. I think Pedro Santos, a guy that that has MLS experience, hell, he won an MLS Cup, played really well. I think Andy Nahar had another great performance. I don't know if we're going to have Andy Nahar play starting on Saturday next Saturday against Columbus because you also have Ruan on the bench, another guy with great MLS experience. It just shows that this team was was up for it, and they were able to make Toronto feel very uncomfortable through a lot of in, a lot in a lot of instances throughout the game when they were creating opportunities in front of goal. So all in all, I think the performance was there. I think the two center back pairings, even though it's a random center back pairing and it's a new center back pairing that you didn't really expect going uh, starting the game. They were serviceable, but yeah, there are there were some shaky moments again, with, especially with Akinboni. But you got to realize he's only sixteen years old, so there's only so much you you can expect from him. 
at that kind of an age. So mistakes are part of the uh, are part of the growing pains. But all in all, I think they played pretty well. Right, and you know, based on the graphic and what we saw on the field, United played more of a four-four-two. Um, Canals play more of that holding, allowing Click to be more up front. But it was uh, it, it, to me, that's not going to be the formation. We're going to we expecting a four-three-three. We're expecting Victor to be mo- in the mid uh, once Birnbaum is healthy. But I thought Canals did a great job, and, and you know that's. If there's one thing, this team is more versatile and more depth. And part of it is the 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 new guys, but it also is the inclusion of Ted in the roster and how he's been playing. Ruan, obviously, but you have Fletcher and you have Pines who can help out to uh, former academy guys. Uh, Pines with college experience. You have uh, Jackson Hopkins, who basically got a full season under his belt. You have Green, who can also help out as well on the defensive side. So United has more depth than last year, and you kind of brought up a point I wanted to raise a little bit. I don't expect Andy, because of his multiple knee injury history, to play every game. I could probably see him play the next match, but Ron is so good. But if I'm Wayne, do you want to mess with that with uh, him and Chris Durkin and how they're playing? Or if you're gonna, you're forced to play another four-four-two, do you take Durkin out and maybe put Ruan up front in the midfield? You know, you have so many options. Or put Andy. Andy's the most experienced of the two in the midfield. So I think this is a good problem to have. Wayne mentioned it in his first press conference in the week uh, heading into the match. It's a good problem to have on the goalkeeper side. I think it's a good problem to have on all the sides. Um, it, just just the ability to have so much changing of uh, you can go from one type of striker to another, go to a different type of winger to another. I will say this: Christian Viteke did cause some issues for the back line off the ball. You know, Bob Riley kind of mentioned, uh, you know, he was kind of forcing his center backs to play towards their backside a little bit and play play more goal side than they should be as defenders. Look, I'm all for whatever it takes to get the goals and get him more active. I think this, you know, we didn't properly, I'll say it, DC and I never properly use Ola Kamar to his strengths. Now you have the striker you've been wanting for so long. This is the chance now to use them to their strengths. And uh, I'm interested to see where we go with here from Christopher Hick. I thought he had an okay game. Uh, the goal, perfect positioning for the header. Um, I want to see more of that, but uh, I did like his on-the-ball, you know, dribbling. It doesn't look that good in person, but you can see what the point is. Like, he's trying to stretch the field, trying to bring in the wingers. I would like to see him take more shots, though. But I I, I thought he did well. Everything was serviceable for the minutes he played. And... I'm interested to see what happens against uh, in this upcoming week, and I'm also interested to see what happens when Orlando comes into town. Right, I think Christian Bateke in particular was was really good at setting up uh, goal scoring opportunities for his teammates. He was able to spread the field a lot more. Uh, I mean, not something you want to hear from a proper from your striker, but at the same time, if you can set up your your teammates to have better goal, looks at goal, more well, the more the better, I guess. But I think I want to see what they could do with a different formation going into the Columbus game. 
maybe play the same 4-4-2, but see what different players you could add. And for do- for those that don't remember, Andy Nahar started his career as a right midfielder. He was converted to a right back in 2012 under Ben Olsen and has never really left that position since. But he can play right midfield because he's played that position before and he's capable of, of doing damage down the right-hand side, especially if you've seen him attack before. Going up on the attack on the attacking side of the ball, he is a he is a goal a threat, not a goal scoring threat, but he can set up plays for goal scoring opportunities. So I want to see what what that's going to look like, and I'm also interested to see if he cha- if, if Wayne decides to play a four four two against Columbus, what he's going to do in the next game, probably, and see formation wise and what the starting lineups going to look like in the next home game against Orlando on the 11th. Before we move on to just some quick hits before we get out of here, what were your thoughts on how Ted played and and how he stepped up in the play um, in those final moments? I I thought that he did well. I I, I got to give credit to Paul Maurer and Jason Anderson in the the formerly of black and red the, um, now the district press. They've been on the Ted Cudi Pietro bandwagon from day one, watching his days at Loudon. I've never saw it, so I was curious when he was brought on last year. We really didn't get to see much. He was kind of relegated to play wing and then on the bench a lot. I kind of wanted to see. It's clear as day he's that guy to play behind the main striker. I don't know what was going on last year. He is clearly not that guy to be left to the wing. He's clearly the guy in the middle, makes things happen, can crash inside the penalty area. Uh, be serviceable in crosses, but also run towards goal and participate in a cross or any kind of crossing play. So to me, I thought he did a great job um, being dangerous, being lethal, and then obviously providing the assist in the game tying goal and then being in the right spot in between the two center backs and Michael Bradley to get the third goal. Very patient with the ball too. A lot of times players want to kind of one-time it there, very patient, gets the ball down, takes a touch, and goes for the rocket shot, beats Sean Johnson with ease. Uh, I, I like that kind of composure in the striker, only 21. So he it can go up from here. But what were your thoughts on Ted's performance? I think he did well. I, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm like, why would you play him on the wing? He's clearly more of a guy that plays in the middle, can't play behind the striker. He's also capable of making things happen. So you kind of saw that. Uh, I personally thought he was uh, kind of that play. It took him a little bit, but he became that uh, that X factor towards the end of the game. And he's someone that I'm excited to see a lot more of moving forward throughout the season. So I, I per, I'm pretty much not all the way sold, but I'm halfway there on the, on the Ted QDPH trade. I think he played really well last night. Yeah, we'll see how it goes moving forward. And next week we'll, we'll get our first taste, really, of the Apple deal. For those who don't remember, Major League Soccer uh, signed a 10-year, $2.5 billion partnership with Apple. But at the same time, it was the end of the regional broadcast, and everybody was wondering, What's going to happen with Moises Linares? What's going to happen with Dave Johnson? Well, he says jump to MLS and is covering games for Major League Soccer. He was at the Charlotte game yesterday. Um, while Dave, it was reported on Friday, officially confirmed by the club, 
uh, we'll be staying local and covering games on the radio for 1190 iHeart Sports DC and the iHeart Radio app. However, with the MLS season pass, you can have an option to listen to uh, Dave during home matches on Apple TV. So if you're, I, I got to peek on it uh, during the game, during the weekend. Everyone had the opportunity for free. All the games were not locked behind the paywall this weekend. So you could listen, you can watch the games on Apple TV. Um, Bruce Murray is uh, his color guy. That's going to take some readjustments for me. Uh, but, Mario, what are your thoughts on Dave being able to now be back on the radio airwaves, at least back on DC United fans airwaves for the foreseeable future? I thought it was nice to see Dave back, back on the – or listen to Dave back on, on calling a DC United game because, you know, there was that little bit of uncertainty, which you kind of figured he would still be with the club in some former, in some former capacity. But it's nice to see him in the radio – well, uh, calling games on radio, and that you have that option on out on for the MLS season pass. Also, it's kind of interesting to see him not wear a suit in the press box, personally. So, well, all in all, it's nice to see that Dave is still going to be involved in, in these game in these games in some in some former capacity. Because, well, you know, Dave Johnson is a staple of DC United. And the two cook kind of hand in hand, so it's nice to see him there. Yeah, we're never gonna let Dave Johnson go without a fight. I thought the moment I remember hearing the rumors of the D the, the deal with Apple, I was somewhat interested because Apple has the same thing with MLB, and so I was interested how MLB does it, and if DC United were to have a radio deal, obviously they were just waiting for whatever deal they were going to try and do, whether it was going to be with iHeart or with another radio broadcaster. Um, I don't know nothing <laughs> in terms of what the negotiations were, but I will say, you know, every conversation I had with Dave prior to him leaving WTOP in December, at the end of December, was he kept saying, I don't know, but I'm open to anything. And so... He, he was always going to be back in my my eyes based on those answers and more. He's obviously a busy man. He learned, he took a red eye to Chicago today to call the Wizards game. So the man is not stopping. But I, I do, I, as the only person here who really listened to and watched part of the broadcast, looks beautiful, looks 7, 780p, so much better. Uh, 720p, uh, way better. Clearly, this the game looks better. The broadcast. So I've gotten a couple of texts about it. I think Brandon uh, Alder, who texted me about it, a writer over at the Sports Pulse. I'm gonna give the anchors five games, all of them, because they're all used. Some of them are used to being regional broadcasters. They called DC United the Red and Black. When it's the black and red. Um, while Toronto's the Reds. Uh, I don't know what they call Toronto. So let's hope they didn't mess that one up. And I'm going to give them five. Look, I think if they're not they're not used to it. Especially like you say you're used to calling West Coast games. You really rarely see United. I'll give you a pass. But 
after five games, like you better have a sheet there that says nickname black and red united. I'll take the Eagles. <laughs> I'll take whatever. <laughs> but just get it right. I, I think that's the only issue I had was get that right. The the broadcast feed switch to Dave's broadcast was seamless. There were issues with it during the MLB season. Clearly, Apple has learned from that experience because it was a seamless transition. So because there were issues with making it match and there were slight delays. There's clearly whoever's working there now is like, okay, we've learned. We've got it. I do agree his his volumes are a little low, but that's going to take some time. I think that Dave is going to – it's a combination of Dave's not going to want to oversell and be super loud and and trying to understand the radio like how loud he can speak with those mics, but also he doesn't want to give, he wants to give Bruce a chance to speak and it's going to sound quieter. Um, they're also working with iHeart at the same time. They're working with Apple. So you're not going to get this situation where he's promoting Apple. He's going to be promoting iHeart. And so there's going to be moments of silence when he's got to do the licensing. But I think overall, it was good to hear Dave, and it was good to watch that game and see it in its actual colors. There was one issue I had with NBC Sports Washington and some other regional broadcaster. If it wasn't 720p or one 1080p, it was just like it, the colors weren't right. It wasn't natural. Not always with NBC Sports Washington. More of when they went to a flow sport, it was ugly. Um, oh, man. <laughs> Who, who remembers Flow Sports? My God. But I, I'm interested. I like what I see so far of Apple. I haven't seen the Whip Around show. I'm hearing mixed results on that one. I'll take a look hopefully next week and give my thoughts. But overall, it's a good start with Apple, and I'm glad Dave is involved. Well, also, the one thing, because I, I kind of peeked at, at what you were seeing on, on your on your laptop with the with Apple was it looks like there was no lagging, which is something that was kind of an issue with uh, NBC Sports Washington and any other regional uh, sports broadcaster that streamed the games. You get some kind of a lag, or they'd be a couple minutes behind. It didn't seem like you get that at all with that with Apple. But again, I would have it's. Uh, I think they they worked out the kinks from what they learned from transmitting MLB. Yeah, there was a. Uh... I wouldn't I and that may have been a little bit of luck. <laughs> I wouldn't expect that going forward. Um, but you're right. It is good to like be able to see it directly right after it happened. So I do agree with that. And and, and you know, I again I, I'm interested to see more of it. And the fact that a lot of these games, I believe, at thirty percent are not behind the paywall. Um, don't think you need you just need the Apple TV app. You don't need Plus. Um, so yeah, don't worry if you think you you can. Um, if you're a pay, hide behind the pay description, if you're hiding behind the paywall, about thirty percent of the games are going to be free. So. At least get the app, take a look. Or, like I mentioned on Twitter, listen to Dave. Get those radio numbers up, y'all. 
it's the Radio America era again. Like, enjoy it. It's a good time. And also, if you're a T-Mobile customer, you could get MLS, the MLS season pass on Apple Plus for free till March 1st. Right. Before we get into the end of the podcast, and uh, one note that I want to pass along for those interested in going to the matches in June, Mario, on this previous episode of the podcast, brought up how much he was not thrilled to the fact that DC United came with a cherry blossom jersey. Okay, all right. So now that you've seen it in person, what is your verdict? I like it. Uh, all, 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 all I can safely say, I like the jersey. Again, I'm not crazy about the pink, the pink cherry blossoms, but that's just some, That's just more of my personal taste. Other than that, it's a clean jersey. I like it. I like the concept. DC United kind of won me over. Won you over to a point that you did what exactly? I want to snitch you out right now. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. I bought the Mitchell and S Cherry Blossom sweater at the team store. Happy. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. I just you happy? Yeah. Are you happy now? Yes. I bought the Cherry Blossom Mitchell and S sweater. I, I, I saw it beforehand. Um, uh, Cheyenne, uh, Cheyenne Foster, a.k.a. Between Queen Sheets, has the same sweater. I, I was like, ooh, I kind of like it, so... I kind of wanted to look at it, and I bought it. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm now sold on the cherry blossom concept. DC United. What an excellent job! They didn't struggle to get him the money at all. It was just display the dang thing. They have a section. They have multiple sections, but really, it's one big section of cherry blossom stuff. So, I, I had to put him on the spot because he literally said on this past podcast, and I'm a person that I, I remember allegedly. Uh, remember things, and so we are. We had to, we had to do a follow up. <laughs> oh, I hate you. <laughs> oh, before we let y'all go, I want to acknowledge uh, the club did uh, for those fans who are always curious about how United's trying to uh, do recognize their legends. You know, there was a lot of things heading into this week. Obviously, the jersey reveal, the Hall of Champions was for people were able to walk on the hallway that's underneath the the large section on the east side of the stadium um they called it the hall of champions there there's a mu there's two there's three murals two of which are like photos of great moments of dc united folklore they obviously have a super big section for the uh the long pass from rooney to lucho costa um they they've have got the quote they've got the quotes from jp della camera on that call by the way yeah which was pretty cool um they've gone a little i want to say mt bank by putting brick layers on the um covering up the uh, concrete stanchions with brick and it makes it it, it kind of gives it a nice homely touch uh each concrete pillar is fe- features a photo of a star of the past of DC United, where, and it's all kinds of stars. You have your Raul Diaz Arzes, but you also have your Chris Pontiuses. You have your uh, Dwayne De Rosarios, but you have your Marco Echeveres. I, I thought it was, I thought it was well done. I'm interested to learn more. And obviously, the painted mural, the the Wall of Champions, as it's called, um, 
looks beautiful, features uh, images of multiple DC United legends, including Eddie Pope, Jeff Vegas, Jaime Moreno, uh, Freddie Adu, and then Johan Cruyff right there as well. Um, I'm going to look up more on it. Uh, the reason I bring it up is uh, with all of this, remembering legends and bringing back Marco Echeverri for the jersey reveal, Jaime Moreno, uh, DC and I have held a moment of silence before the game in honor and memory of Kevin Payne. And the club then announced that it has been working alongside with the Payne family, who is still connected with the club, and will be honoring his life and legacy on the June 24th match against uh, FC Cincinnati. So if you're uh, one of those old school fans that want to have a reason, you haven't seen the club since it's moved to Audi or, you you know, financially you haven't been able to, but you do want to come out, especially for things like that, these kind of legendary kind of deals, I would recommend the Kevin Payne tribute that's coming up on uh, June 24th. So it would be interesting to see not just young fans to get to know who Kevin's legacy was, for the club, but also older fans to have a chance to remember him who, as he uh, passed this past Christmas um, and see what the club plans to do to honor its first GM and its founding president. Yeah, I thought the murals were pretty cool, like a, a rat in the, in the, in the hall of, uh, of champions. I, I, I like that, especially where you're going, you're heading into your seats. I think in well, the club, not the club section, but the field seats. The field seats. Thank you. They, I like that they have like each like important moment in DC United history or like more memorable moments from the the game winning goal from Eddie Pope where he sl- where he just slides towards the bench to celebrate in 1996 to the win to the Wayne Rooney goal to the Lucho goal in 2018. I, I like the mural outside of Gate B with a. Uh, where Johan Cruyff sat with the quote, I thought the quote's a great touch to it. Also, funny thing, I did say hello to Chris Pontius in the uh, in the locker room towards the end of the game. So you know when we were leaving, and I think I I I like it. I think it's a nice touch just to pretty much just give you like a, a history of what of where the club's been and where the club's goal like heading towards in the future, honoring it honoring its legends and also with the. Kevin Payne with the celebrating Kevin Payne's legacy in the club on June 24th. I think it's a nice touch. I think it's something that that needs to be recognized because Kevin Payne was the architect of what this team, what this club was has been all about since 1996 and was behind some of the greatest successes with, that this club's had in its history. So I, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, it, it, it gives the fans for young fans to know who Kevin Payne was and his legacy. And it also gives you a bit of nostalgia if you're if you're an older fan. Also, Pusha T was at the game last night, so I thought that was pretty cool. He was there with Yo Gotti, Glorilla, and Bill Hamid. What? That is an interesting cast of characters. But again, Pusha T was at the game last night. Oh, and Mark well, Ingram. All I'm going to say is, if Bill Hamid's final Audi appearance in his illustrious career is being in a suite with multiple rap and NFL stars, it's hilarious to me. It's really <laughs> hilarious to me. 
Um, I want you y'all know, to know. That I, 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 no, no, no. I want y'all to know that before they they closed RFK in that final game, Bill Hamid did not play, but he was walking around with his Louis Vuitton backpack, uh, walking to sweet the sweet thing. Guys, they're closing RFK. Guys, they're going. And literally at one point, one of the legends said, "Bill, you got to get your s together." We want to see you in Europe, blah, 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 blah. And he was just taking in. I can't wait to go to Europe. I can't wait to go to Europe. If this is his last moment, it's being reported that he's going, Dundee, I think it's Dundee United. To Dundee United in the Scottish Premier League. If, he, if, this, if, if this is his last appearance, what a way to go. Like, you didn't play in the last RK game. And and you didn't play in your final contracted game at Audi, but you're gonna go out the same way you went out at RFK, chilling in the sweet section with cool people. I mean, first off, first off, did you see Mark Ingram in the locker room uh, last night? This man was dripped in Louis, sir. This man had Louis Vuitton sneakers and a Louis Vuitton jacket. Second off, I kind of chuckled. They're like, part owner. Yo, God, he's in the building. I'm like, of course. I had to turn around when they said, VP native, push a T. I'm like, you got push a T to come to a DC United game? That is awesome. I I was like, man, if I get to see push a T, I want to thank him for his contribution to rap and the song Grinding when he was a member of the Clips. And on that illustrious note, that is enough for us on the Battle Raise FC podcast. So before we let you go, so I can correctly close the show off with good audio and not cut off at the end. Mario, tell people where they can find out more about you. All right. If you want to know what I'm working on or you just want to see my live tweets from the game last night, you can follow me on Twitter at MarioMaya1. You want to know what's going on in the world around you or what's just going on in the DMV in general, you can follow El Tiempo Latino 2 on Twitter at El Tiempo Latino. You can follow, you can go on their website, eltiempolatino.com. And if you really, just really need a, a physical, physical paper in your hand so you can quietly read what's going on in the world around you, you can go to your local newsstand or metro station to get yourself a copy of El Tiempo Latino today. And as always, you can follow me at Jose underscore M underscore Mondo for more content on Twitter. Special shout out as always, Kevin McLeod and Impotech for the intro music. Remember, rate and subscribe on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all your audio platforms. Thank you so much for tuning into the Battle Embrace FC podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Adios.